Hi, welcome to the 12th house. I'm Michelle Palazan, your host in the Head Witch in Charge here at Holisticism. And I am really, really excited for today's episode. I feel like I say that every week, but this was a really... Hold on to your butts, my guys. This one's really good. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Victoria Albina to talk about money as medicine. And this podcast goes everywhere in a great way. We talk about somatic theory. We talk about the wellness space. We talk about the intersections of sites of oppression and how those impact the way that we think about wealth, money, and safety. And how renegotiating your relationship to money and well-being is not a one-size-fits-all or sort of like a one, two, three, these are the steps that you have to go in this order in order to make things work. It is so much more complex. I don't want to say complicated, but complex and so much more nuanced than that. And we talk about in this episode how a lot of the conversation and wellness and well-being and spiritual spaces is maybe doing people a disservice when it talks about money and how we relate to it. I think you're really going to like this episode. Victoria is hilarious, so smart, so cool. You're just going to fall in love with her. I found this so valuable. I've done so much work for myself around money and wealth, and it's been a really long process. And I think even in this conversation, I had some neural connections that I had never made before, thanks to the way that Victoria sort of shaped her answers in this conversation. So I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And I'm really excited for you to listen. Just as a heads up, if you rate, review and subscribe to this podcast and send us a screenshot of your review, you'll be entered to win this month's gift, which is the four-day energetic recalibration. It's actually perfect to do as we're coming up to the end of the year. If you're wanting to clear out take a broom to all the cobwebs, the stuff that's sort of like lingering around in your energetic space, but maybe even in your physical space and maybe in your business. It's an awesome, very quick four days, 15 minutes a day exercises that you can go through to really clear stuff up. We've had people write to us and say that after they completed it, they earned thousands of dollars, that they had major breakthroughs in their work or life, that they got a killer job offer. Lots of cool magic that can be ascribed to it. And also, I'm sure many, many, many breakthroughs that were maybe less extreme, but also just as valuable. So make sure that you take a screenshot of your review and text it to the line below in order to be entered to win. We'll announce the winner at the very end of November. With that, I'm going to just get into this episode. I can't wait for you to let it wash over you. Okay, I'll see you at the end. First, Victoria, I've got to know, what's your hair care routine? Oh my God, you are the sweetest. Um, <laughs> I am the most Leo Leo that ever Leoed. So starting by talking about my mane is just the way into my heart. <laughs> You know, I got to say, I do the whole like hair flipped upside down, like don't let the the shower head hit your hair. Oh, really? I know it's like kind of, it's a whole enterprise. Like I, I, my date was over the other day and I was like, I need to go wash my hair. And they were like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow, next mm-hmm. week, That's right. six months. Yeah. And I was like, it'll be about six months. <laughs> Okay, Wallace just is sitting in the corner and she was like, what? Because we talk about hair a lot here. We have a lot of hair. So wait, you flip your head over. You don't let the shower touch it. No. So I use like the, you know, like the handheld shower Mm -hmm. thingy with like not warm water. And I'm in the Northeast. So it's not very pleasant in like January. Oh my God. God. But I'm dedicated. I'm dedicated to my mane. So Okay. And do you use shampoo or is it just like a cold rinse? Yeah. No, it's like a, it's a warm rinse because I would actually die. Also, my nervous system does not need that like (laughs) cold shower, cold plunge. I'm like, that's for cis white guys who've never actually... Right. Or like people who follow Yogi Bajan and like, yo, that guy's a cult leader. (laughs) Yeah, barely starting it. But yeah. I'm like my nervous system doesn't need to get shocked into sympathetic activation any more than it already is on like a given day that ends in Y. So yeah, so flip it over. I do a clarifying shampoo once a month. Okay. Okay. Just to get all the product out. (laughs) And I do a deep condition. And while I'm doing it, I can only talk in the voice the whole time it's like mandatory that's right 
Yeah, she, she wants to know the products. She's like, give me the exact routine. Oh my God, I, I would like have to go into the shower and check because I'm not even. <laughs> no, that's it's all right good. now. It's all but we'll good. put it in the show notes. There we go. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. Do you have one of those hair? Tr- so I also, I'm Italian. Yeah. And I have a lot of hair. Yeah. And thanks so do you mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. game recognized mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. and I gotta put my hair in a turban that's like a microfiber turban oh my that God. changed the hair game for me I am not letting a towel touch my hair never please never. please I also oh, recently bought a silk pillowcase love my silk pillowcase obsessed it works. It also works. do recently doing the silk bonnet plus the silk <gasps> pillowcase okay so that's I want to do that but I was like is that too intense yes. but now you've convinced me it. Okay, yes, right. of course it's too intense, but when has that stopped us? <laughs> that no, is overkill. Fair. And when has it stopped us? Fair, fair. Yeah. I mean, it, it also, I think that, okay, this is actually a great segue. Mm. And I was not planning on this. So cool. I feel like luxury in mm. this way, you know, the taking care of mm. the physical body right. and not feeling guilty or bad about it. And not being so like crazy opulent, right? It's not like you're like dressing your hair in liquid gold and having, you know, small children comb it out for you who like live under your home. It's not something crazy, but you're We're illegal like, and inhumane. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of like capitalism, capitalism. Right, right, like, right, what right. I say? Right. And there's something about like this, those, that like opulent nature, even though it's simple, right? You're just like taking care of your tresses. You're w- using a different pillowcase, right? That's maybe like $5 more than a cotton pillowcase right. that is connected in a way to wealth and our relationship to wealth and holding wealth. Mm. What do you think? For me, these decisions, and I have a Taurus moon, so we'll just put that down right there and walk away from it, but never walk away from it. Ever. It's sure. too pretty to walk away from. Way too pretty. You should see me pack for like a weekend away. It's like 20 yeah, pairs of okay. shorts. Exactly. All of my bathing suits right, lined up. Yep. Just lined right up in the perfect order. <laughs> you know, I for me, the 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 opulence is in the energy. Yes. Right? It's not actually the more expensive product or the more expensive yeah. thing. Like I when I switched from a towel to dry my hair to stay with our theme to like using a t-shirt, because that was like the next step up for me, like it felt luxurious. Yes. Right. Yes. Not because it was expensive, not because it was like fancy, right? Not because it had, you know, like the goop stamp of approval, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like mm-hmm. because it was my saying, this is a thing that matters to me and it's okay for me to matter to me. Right. And it's okay. You know, I remember in my 20s, like this whole, like stepping into my queer feminist and like Mm -hmm. really reclaiming femininity as like as empowerment. Right. And not seeing it in that second wavy kind of like, oh, if I'm like doing my hair and nails, I'm a tool of the patriarchy. Right. Mm -hmm. Like reclaiming my my joy in doing my hair, my joy in taking care of my physical form the way Mm -hmm. I see fit for me, right? Mm -hmm. Particularly like pandemic, I work from home. I spend all this time on my hair. Legit, no one sees it, but I do. (laughs) Yeah, you do all day on Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't have to be about spending money and it doesn't have to be about capitalism and consumerism. It really can be like, I'm going to wrap my hair in a t-shirt and then, you know, maybe the $5 more microfiber or pillowcase <laughs> or whatever, or like whatever, going whole hog on, <laughs> yeah. you know, the pillowcase and the bonnet and the thing and the thing. But it really, for me, is just about the story, about the narrative and about the energetic Yes. Well said. You articulated exactly what I was thinking in a far superior way <laughs> to, to how I could possibly say it. And so I'm glad that we had a mind meld and you totally. you, you up-leveled my, <laughs> my comment. It reminds me of how, of actual consumerism, right? When we buy like fast fashion or when we're buying a ton of products that are at low cost. And let's say it's for let's say for Kerka, let's stay with that theme because it's simple. Often it's when we kind of take a, a moment and we're like, do I actually need these things? And are they making my experience that much better? Is it, does it feel like I'm caring for myself or is it just kind of feeling like 
a consumptive practice where I'm trying to like apply as many products as possible to fit myself into some shape versus maybe picking one product that maybe is more expensive or maybe not, but has more intentionality to you that becomes like, oh, this is the ritual. This is the practice. I'm so interested in that for for women and, and AFAB people of our relationship to the body and the taking care of the body. And also for people who are kin keepers, who taking care of a home and making a home beautiful and how consumption comes into that, right? If we buy new things or we're shopping for things, or even if we're buying secondhand, that is consumptive in a way and how we can kind of like come to terms with that, I guess, like Mm. enjoy both because it is enjoyable for so many of us. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me is asking ourselves in a gentle, loving, kind way, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Right. And just really gently, lovingly interrogating the the question and the choice. Like, are we consuming as a buffer against feeling our feelings? Mm-hmm. Right. I was actually joking with a friend yesterday that 2000 million years ago when I lived in Boston, I would have therapy on Wednesdays and then mm-hmm. would walk by this little set of boutiques and would uh-huh. always go in and be like, buy a little something. <laughs> right. Right. I did get in therapy today. I got a treat. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's like that, you know, are we buying and consuming and spending money again, whether it's like high end or like mm-hmm. thrifting hard mm-hmm. as a way to feel a feeling, a way to push something away that perhaps serves us better to actually look in the face. Yeah. Right. And I think by doing that, by, by being in that process with ourselves, for me, I'll just stay on my side of the street. For me, it frees me up to know like, no, I'm buying this new sheet set because I want a new sheet set. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, this morning I make, was making the bed and I was like, these sheets have puppy bite holes in them. <laughs> and the last time I had a puppy was 2014. <laughs> <clears throat> so maybe it's time. Maybe the time yeah. has come. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 And I checked in and it, I, I wouldn't be buying them to like not feel. Mm-hmm. Right. right. You're just taking care. Just taking care. Just feel mm-hmm. like going to bed feeling nice. Mm-hmm. Like cozy, not bitten up sheets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that in uh, under patriarchy, like desire, mm-hmm. any for, for women and AFAB people is taboo in so many ways. It's either desire is sexualized and turned against us and is part of the male gaze, or it's bad because of puritanical society. And I feel like a lot of wellness has taken desire, whether it's the desire to, to, you know, have something in your hands or to experience things and really villainized it under the, like almost with greenwashing in a way, like I think I find that fascinating how we sort of keep perpetuating the same systems and cycles of oppression with just new names and sort of new costumes. And I'm curious for you as someone who works so in such an anti-patriarchal way, what are you navigating and seeing a lot in the wellness space that's sort of a misguided attempt to be well and well-being but is actually like patriarchy in disguise. This is kind of a, Ooh, a, a yeah. question. My brain went first to wait. Right. And the, and the yeah. trope of orthorexia, right. right. So like, right. Oh, I don't eat that because I'm sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. But I, I often question that, right. Mm-hmm. Is it really just a, a, the new outfit, looking like, yeah, like taking care of yourself, but really it's that continued mortification of the flesh, right? That like, I should not be eating. I should not be nourishing myself as a human socialized as a woman. It is, it is not for me to feel sated, to feel, to have enjoyment of nourishment. Right. And so it, Mm -hmm. it doesn't become about having a lush, gorgeous meal without gluten, it's often another sad salad, right? <laughs> that like, <laughs> you know, when when there's other options available. You know, I, I live on occupied Muncie Lenape land in the Hudson Valley, just north of New York City now. And I'm doing what of course you do, which is buying half a cow. 
that's what Argentines in wow. the country do is <laughs> fill the freezer and then buy another freezer. And you know, it's been interesting in talking to my neighbors and my friends, like who wants to split a cow? How much I've heard, like we try to be eco so we don't like eat a lot of meat. <laughs> right? Right. Like, oh, well, that's not... Uh, yeah. I'm usually exclusive. Right. Really. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that's how that story goes, right? Mm-hmm. That, that surface level, like, oh, to be eco, to be well, that greenwashing, don't mm-hmm. have luscious steak in February when it's, <laughs> you know, freezing ass cold outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be out in the snow firing up the grill because you see aforementioned <laughs> well, Argentine mess. To your house. That um, sounds amazing. <laughs> I will ping you my address immediately. <laughs> Put an extra log in the fireplace. Get it nice and cozy for you. We will have many a steak. Love that. I guess the California gal in me is like, yeah, the fire. That's very. That sounds very cool. Come snuggle. Come snuggle. Yeah, it'll be it'll be delightful. Yeah. Uh huh. That really the the concept of fat phobia that is still so rampant and disguised as health and well-being. It's definitely more mainstream now, right? And I would say in well wellness and well-being, but it sounds like that has really informed well, part a lot of your work is informed by that and the somatic experience of mm. being in the body. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you landed where you are now? Yeah. So my formal training is as a family nurse practitioner and I worked in primary care for many years, functional medicine for many years. And through that work, I was mostly doing gastroenterology, treating IBS, small intestine bacterial overgrowth. Oh, and so many women have, what is it? Only hot girls have stomach problems? It's true. It's so true. And pretty much all hot girls have stomach yeah, problems. It's true. It's kind of how that Venn diagram goes. So here we go. But yeah, and I came to the work. I'm going to go ahead and just through this, call myself a hot girl. I had (laughs) wicked bad GI problems my whole life. And what I came to understand through my own healing and my own work was that, yes, part of it was physiologic and, right? So I had a parasite. You know, that wasn't Mm. my thoughts. That was a bug. Yeah. And the reason it was remitting and it kept coming back and I'd murder it, it came back. I murdered it, it came back. That part was the intersection of mind and body. That Mm. part was my chronic codependent thinking, my people-pleasing perfectionist habits, my overarching tendency to not source my self-worth from me, but Mm -hmm. from everyone else, everything else around me, right? Mm -hmm. My job, my title, who I was dating, you know, all that stuff, what other people thought of me, what I imagined other people thought of me, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah was keeping my nervous system so jacked up. And this is what I see in my clients all day long that I wasn't at home in my body. I I was all up in my head, right? Mm -hmm. I was thinking instead of feeling. And I was so disconnected from my body, from my gut feeling. I'm looping back around here. And, you know, when you are in sympathetic overdrive all the time, the fight or flight response or in dorsal collapse, which is freeze response, Mm -hmm. your gut doesn't work right. Because it's not Mm -hmm. supposed to. You shouldn't be able to digest a cheeseburger if a lion is chasing you across the Serengeti. Like, that's a terrible idea. Don't digest that, right? Right. Yeah. Prioritize. Prioritize. (laughs) Yeah. Bust a move, (laughs) survive, and then work on that cheeseburger, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I stayed sick. Secondary to how dysregulated my nervous system was, which was, Mm -hmm. you know, part and parcel of that was the chronic negative thinking I had about myself, about my role in the world, and that I just didn't know how to move my feelings, my emotions through my body. Mm. Right. And so I stayed stuck in those tension patterns, right? Like a, like a boxer always primed for the next blow, which is what happens when you grow up walking on eggshells and then live a life where you feel so anxious about what everyone else thinks and feels about you, mm-hmm. right? Of course you stayed stuck in tension. So yeah. in doing that for myself, I realized that was where my patients were too. I was sick of just throwing supplements and diet and nutrition at the problem. I really wanted to do the deeper work. So every immigrant mother's dream, I quit medicine to become a life coach. <laughs> every immigrant mother's dream come true. 
Oh man. Right. Now look at you. You're uh-huh. you're crushing it. I mean you are every you. immigrant mother's dream. Sister. Thank you. <laughs> Warms my heart, Paisan. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, that is a big transition to make. Yeah. And and I think that so many people come to well-being or wellness or even spirituality through the physical, right? Because it's the thing that's hardest to ignore. Like when you're about to shit your pants on a date, you're like, fuck, I have to figure this thing mm-hmm. out. Like this is annoying. Uh-huh. Or when we have acne or when yeah. we want to lose five, 10, whatever, how many pounds? That's the easiest to be like, oh, I want to fix that first. Right. And it's inevitably only the first step. And I think that you can't really get... There's no point in fixing the outside if you're not going to go deeper. And I'm so interested in seeing how many practitioners evolution of what they do really goes back down to the more spiritual or the mindset, even when they were very like in the body or maybe like scientific to start. Yeah. Yeah. And now you do a lot of work on money and wealth and I'm so interested in hearing your thoughts on the somatic system and how we hold our relationship to wealth and money and what the connection is there. Yeah. I mean, when, so really when I think about money as a system, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's so many, my brain just went flooded (laughs) with a thousand different directions you know, we can talk about it as the stand-in for worth and worthiness that it has become, mm-hmm. right? Even even within the sort of business coaching world, like charge your worth, right? Like I personally hate that because people that's I mean, like, and if people love that, awesome. Sure. But I think that you're invaluable human beings are invaluable. Like we are more precious than any anything. We can't put a value on ourselves. So to say charge your worth, I'm like, okay, well, give me a bajillion dollars in two universes. Cause that's what I'm worth, you totally. know? 100%. So that I don't relate to that. But if someone does relate to that, cool. I'm not yeah, gonna begrudge you, them that. Totally. But. Well, I think with that also like charge your worth, it then devalues other humans. For yeah. what not worth as much? Oh, well said. Yes, right. yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it devalues Mother Earth. Like Pachamama is infinitely valuable, and mm-hmm. so are all of our relations and our ancestors—the minerals, the animals, the air. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot breathe without plants. They cannot mm-hmm. breathe without me. We are interdependent, and mm-hmm. so yeah, my worth is you know a fiddlehead fern. Mm. right? My worth is a maple leaf. My worth is a breath. That's, mm. You can't put money on that. I love that. Ooh, that's good. That's <laughs> really, well, it says to tweet it. So we're going to tweet it. That, <laughs> that's really, really good. Wow. Okay. Yes. So sorry, I interrupted yeah. you. No, I as love I it. On that diatribe around worth. So that's kind of the common parlance in the coaching space right now, I would say, or yeah. wellness space, or the more self-worth you have, the more you'll quote unquote manifest the life of your dreams. It all comes down to self-worth and increasing your own self-worth. And so listen, listen, listen. we listen. love self-worth. We love self-worth. We, we love it. I'm high on confidence. it right now. Love Same. it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. totally. Huge fan. But, but you just shook your head as I was saying that. So tell me what your thoughts are. I mean, again, I think there's there's this danger in tying it. it. It creates this, it creates a slippery slope of of your worth being tied to to financial gain to wealth, right? Mm-hmm. And I just don't think those things are correlate. Where my brain actually went was on an interview recently. Someone was like, "Oh, you know, all of our physical ailments are from our mindset," and I was like, "No." You're going to tell like a, so I worked in Mali on a lateral prevention of HIV transmission from mothers to babies. You're going to go tell those, that newborn that because her, her mom was in the control group and she has HIV, that that's because of her mindset, like bafangul, like I'm not having it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I uh-huh. Do. uh-huh. Like get out of here with that. I understand. So my husband has brain cancer and I have epilepsy, you know whatever. And it is whatever. just like physical ailments that are like pretty serious. Yeah. His is pretty serious. Yeah. And 
I understand why, why people say like, what, what are you holding on to? Right. What's in your totally. body that's manifesting physically, but sure. also like, I don't think that we like manifest illness to like learn some epic lesson necessarily. Right. Maybe, but I think that that's a, that's a meaning making system that we layer on top of, of the things that happen to us in order to make sense of them in a world that's mm, chaotic mm-hmm. and doesn't always have meaning. And my best friend was at 9-11 and now has breast cancer, right? Yep. Like Monsanto and yep. cancer, right? Talk, go. I worked on the Navajo Res with folks who have kidney cancer because there's uranium in their drinking water. Like yep. it's COVID. not co- COVID. Oh, casual you know? COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Just low key COVID. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That is, seems very dangerous to to make that the penultimate reason that some physical ailment would manifest. Yeah. I think it's, it's, yes, it is a slippery, slippery, slippery slope of potential moralism and it's not kind. Like at its core, it's just not kind. Yes. And so to say, you know, some people have more worth because they have more wealth And some people live in a shantytown and some people, you know, like that's what, because they didn't manifest money. Mm -hmm. Or Or they need to raise their self-worth and then they'd be able to get out of those places. Right, raise their vibration. I just think it's really, you know, it's it's oversimplifying very complex systems of colonialism, patriarchy Mm -hmm. and oppression, colorism, Mm -hmm. racism, all the isms. You yeah, know, weeks of missionaries and, you know, like all that colonialism. Yeah. Colonialism. Absolutely. You know, you said moralism and that in, in me checked off that box of like, ah, yeah, so often we think of money as either good or bad. And if I am good, good things will happen to me. If I am bad, bad things will happen to me, which we know is a cognitive distortion, heaven's reward fallacy, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. But it seems really hard to shake for a mm-hmm. lot of people who are trying to make meaning of of wealth, abundance, all of these sort of buzzwords. What's your take on that? Well, I think that, I mean, it comes down to how we define those words. Like mm-hmm. what is what are wealth and abundance, mm-hmm. right? And are they having a close connection to the land, mm-hmm. right? Are they taking the time every day to put your face in the sun? Are they, you mm-hmm. know... I think we can define wealth and abundance however we choose. And when it is simply, I have more zeros in my bank account, I I think we lose out on a lot in our own lives. Yeah. The nuance of what it means to be wealthy is, is often lost. And I think when you feel like you're not wealthy or that you don't have money, it's very simple the idea of wealth is very simple, right? It's like, mm-hmm. when I have wealth, then everything else in my life will fall into place. Right. And so it's like this big blanket of like care or love or right. something, when in reality, it's not necessarily that. Right. And I think it's that, it, you know, one of the core tools I teach is thought work is based in cognitive behavioral theories, looking at our thoughts in re- our chronic historical thoughts, the thoughts that we were socialized and conditioned to have, the thoughts that come as survival patterns from our childhood, from our family blueprint, the thoughts that helped us to survive stress, distress, and trauma that we're carrying without even realizing it unintentionally into our lives now. Mm -hmm. And so often the thoughts that my clients have have to do with those if, if, when statements, Mm -hmm. right? So it becomes this way to not be present now. And I think it's part of capitalism's game, right? Like, Mm -hmm. don't be present now. Think about when you have the money, you can be happy then, right? Mm -hmm. When I've Mm -hmm. got X numbers of dollars, I'll be happy when I lose the five pounds, when I'm finally Mm -hmm. gluten-free, when I find the right partner, when I get married, when I have a house and 2.5 kids and a picket fence and a dog named Fido, then then I can be present in mind, body, and spirit. Then I can actually be here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, to put it ineloquently, it's just a wicked bummer that so many of us are walking around like that, you know, not, not being here. And that's where the somatics come in to, right, to really recognize those thoughts and then see what the, what the energetic is within the body 
right? What is your body holding on to that's keeping you from getting present and really intentional now to find joy now, right? To find mm-hmm. peace in your heart now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to then take the steps if you want to make more money. Listen, m- money makes life easier. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it can definitely make your life easier. Yeah. You can buy medicine. You can buy food. You can not choose between filling your insulin and leaving an abusive partner. Right. Mm-hmm. Like money buys you time. Yeah. Is how I've always thought about it. Money buys you time. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to. It's nearly impossible to to do that without money. I think often, unless we completely sort of like divest from the world at large, then we can reclaim our time. Otherwise we have to work within these systems. Yeah. Yeah. For, I want to think about how to articulate this as thoughtfully as possible. When it comes to, we talked about fat phobia. We talked about this sort of ever conscious and anyone who's ever tried to lose weight, who's listening to this podcast, or maybe who's had disordered eating, you could probably relate to this. It's all that you think about. Or even if you are ill, right? When you're sick or you're in pain, it's the, your life is consumed by that constant calorie counting, feeling that pain in your back, whatever it might be. I think about all the time, how much, how many businesses I could have started in my twenties if I just like, wasn't trying to lose three pounds because I had so much brain space and so much brain power that I was Mm -hmm. just like, you know, doing calorie counts with. And I think that it's very similar as someone who also has not had money, when you don't have money. And it's like, okay, how can I make my next? I remember sitting on the subway, writing in my date book, like, okay, if I work this many hours at this rate, then I'm going to make this much money this week. And then I'm going to be able to do XYZ thing. And they strike me as such similar thought processes. And I'm curious, how can we... Because they also feel destructive when you're inside of them. It feels all consuming. And because you do thought work... I'm sure you see people with those thought patterns. How do you work with them to sort of move from that? Because I really do think that's the first step to getting more comfortable and approaching money as medicine is is getting out of that thought process. Yeah, the process of of obsessing over it. You know, exactly. I, it's a it it is a challenging one in that we know the obsessing doesn't do us any good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just keeps us stuck in the worry and the spin versus, like you said, how many businesses could I have started, <laughs> right? The action. So when I talk about worrying, I talk about how it is the thoughts you're having, but it's also the action you're taking, right? It's the feeling, mm-hmm. thought, feeling, action, and result. It's mm-hmm. it's everything when you're in that active worry. And so you're not taking action to, to actually make change in your life, to go to school, to launch a business, to create a a different career. So really pausing to ask yourself and you ask your body, your inner children, your your protector parts. I do a lot of work with internal family systems. What cool. Yeah. It's such great work. What is it inside you that believes that it is safer to worry about money than to take action to change, not just your relationship to money, but your actual actions, like what Mm -hmm. could you be doing differently to bring in more money, Mm -hmm. right? To actually change the scenarios in which you live. Yes, that is such a good example. And you highlighted so perfectly, I think a problem that so many people have, whether it's thinking, worrying about and obsessing over money or even like planning and not getting into action around something like a business or how many times have you procrastinated by reorganizing your systems or reorganizing your inbox or reorganizing Mm -hmm. your pantry or your house to sort of like give yourself a buffer for doing the thing that you know. Right you got to do. That's really going to move the needle for you. Getting into action is kind of that way to like almost snap yourself out of that anxiety tunnel or, you know, yeah, yeah, tunnel, yeah. Vision. That tunnel vision while also, you know, reminding ourselves because my approach is always one of gentle compassion and self-love. Mm-hmm. We can't heal hurt with more hurt. And mm-hmm. so we start by often when it's what what we grew up with or what was modeled for us by being really mean to ourselves, right? Yeah. Like, oh, why do you, why are you still thinking this way? Why are you still worrying, right? And asking ourselves that question, you know, why am I whatever when it's followed with an ugh? That's <laughs> that's your hint, right? That you're not mm-hmm. in the self compassion from which we grow. 
right? You're, yeah. you're going to create more sympathetic activation within your nervous system, which is going to lead to more immobility. That's because yeah. science, right? Like that's how that works. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so much of, I feel like it's very popular right now to say like, oh, that coping mechanism you have, that's actually a sign that you're blah, 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 that you're, you know, that you're, right. you're whatever you have an actual diagnosis yeah that's problematic like also like coping is a necessary skill (laughs) like it is actually really important to develop in yourself like yes I have to figure out how to cope with the world because this world is like yo it's crazy out there you guys I don't know if you know (laughs) it's like really intense and sometimes the best thing we can do is cope and the best thing we can do is kind of like push off that is reorganize our sock drawer right where we're like you know what I need a Momo. I got to just like get my, I got to like control what I can control right now, which is just my underwear and then bring myself back into some sort of balance, equilibrium. Yeah. In the nervous system nerd world, we call it conscious distraction. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I have a podcast episode all about it. So it's the difference between buffering. I don't want to look at these feelings. I'm not gonna look at these feelings. I'm going to organize this Mm -hmm. and pausing and saying, my body, my nervous system is, is a little overwhelmed or a lot overwhelmed here, right? Mm-hmm. I am in physiologic overwhelm. And in order to be able to engage cognitively, to do thought work, to th- like look at the worry thought I'm spinning in around money or weight or whatever, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. my nervous system needs a break so I can calm down, downregulate from sympathetic or mm-hmm. activate a little bit if I'm in a dorsal freeze, which is that like deer in the headlights, you know, playing possum, like, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed. I can't, but like you actually can't, not you just like colloquially, like, oh my God, I can't even, (laughs) but like your body physiologically is like, yo girl, no. Yeah. And that's when we organize something. And actually it's one of the tools is, is putting something in order. So puzzles, Sudoku. Yeah. Right, That's because right, it's it does engage left and right hemisphere because you're physically mm-hmm. moving, but you're mm-hmm. but you're thinking, but you're not ruminating. Mm-hmm. And I imagine prioritization is something that is really helpful for people who have a hard time prioritizing yeah. next actions. Yep. Right, so if we can be like, oh, the small spoons go next to the medium spoons, right. go next to the big spoons. Right. Right. That makes sense. Okay, cool. It's almost like giving yourself training wheels to be like, okay, how do I apply this to my real life? How do, what's the small spoon in my real life versus the big spoon that I got to put first? I love that. That's a really helpful. Yeah, that's really great. Right. So yeah. So let me look at my thoughts around money. Okay. Mm -hmm. Am I seeing money as an energetic exchange or am I tying my having money or lack of money to my worth as a mammal, as like a living being on this planet? And does Mm -hmm. holding on to that thought serve me? Let me investigate that. Mm Let me, Mm -hmm. let me roll around with that cognitively and then bring it to the body. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the next spoon up. Mm-hmm. Right? Like what, where am I holding tension in my body around money? Mm-hmm. Right? Is my brain going to scarcity thinking or that's not for me? My people have never had money. My people have never, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I could never. Mm-hmm. And where does that land in my body? Oh, it's a tightness in my belly. Can I get into conversation with that tightness? Let me start by mm-hmm. describing it. Let's get all Victoria novel on this, right? What is, let's engage all of our senses. What's the color? What's the, is there a texture? Is there a temperature? Is it radiating? Is it moving? Is it still? Is it heavy? Is it light? Let me paint a picture so I can get a number one, de-identify with the sensation. I am not, it It is not me. We both coexist in this mammal and let's, (laughs) let's consider potentially possibly maybe being friends. Mm. Right. That sounds also like a trauma informed way to come back into the body, like to to feel uncomfortable feelings of like, yeah, identifying them and sort of slowing it down, slowing the process down. Right. Because for those of us who've who live with trauma, particularly childhood trauma, Mm-hmm. diving right back into the body is not always the safest choice. Like, no dice for me. No, thanks, but no thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I'm actually all set. It's been a pleasure. Bye to that <laughs> offer. <laughs> I gave it the office. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> you can keep that offer. 
not available. And it does seem like so much work that self-work, you know, that we can do on our own does not take into account the trauma that we have. How could it, you know, if we're applying something to the masses, but could almost be re-traumatizing in a way that that, that isn't useful and for, for no reason, right? Like I think about shadow work a lot and how often shadow work can be just re-traumatizing for people who are just getting into a healing space or even people who have been in it for a while, if it's self-led. And if you're used to flagellation as a way to move yourself forward in the world, then you'll be like, yeah, this is really uncomfortable. This is really scary. This I don't like any of this. And this is what I need to do to make money. And that just sets you back even farther. God, the years I spent shooting on myself in those ways, <laughs> right? Like I, yes, I should go down the rabbit hole. I should look at all the trauma all at once. I should have third cup every yes. night. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I got to, I got it. And I got to do it all right now. I got to do it all. I need to well, clear. I, I actually needed to now. do it yesterday and I'm behind. And so now my perfectionism is all in a tizzy because I was supposed to already have done this and I'm a stupid piece of shit. Obviously. How is this? How am I 22 and not fixed? And then 32 and not fixed and then 42 and not fixed. Oh, baby. Right. Oh my God. But we yeah. do it. We do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's real. I feel like a lot of our listeners are probably nodding along and might need a moment to Mm. just give themselves a little self-compassion hug and not beat themselves up for doing that. If that is the case, you know, what is the Maya Angelou quote? When you know better, you do better. So now you know a little bit better so you can practice doing better. Yeah. Listen, my sister and I do, my sister's the frigging cutest and we (laughs) like read all these psych books together. Cool. And we have like 47 grad degrees between the two of us. And we (laughs) read like legit, like two pages a week. It took us like two years to get through the body keeps the score. Honestly, like the body keeps the score is really hard to get through. It's the worst and I hate it. And I love it. And I hate it. And also, I mean, the author is sort of problematic. Sure, like, sure, 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 sure. But yeah. the work is good. Man, that yeah. that's a tough one to right. get through. Right. But that's the point, right? Is that like Jeannie and I are very fast readers <laughs> and we don't push ourselves to, mm-hmm. to read the things that touch the deep at a pace other than our own pace anymore. Anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll stay with me on my side of the street, but I used to. Like, oh, God, I got to get through all of the books to do all of the healing immediately. And Mm -hmm. I think what we lose sight of there is the joy, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. I used to think I was healing because I was broken. That's I stayed in an emotionally abusive relationship for so long because that person was gaslighting and convincing me that, and I mean it in the like clinical definition of gaslighting, not the hashtag one, (laughs) but like convincing me that I was crazy. And I, and I get not being ableist and using that word, that was their goal to convince me that I wasn't sane um, and that I was broken. And there was a huge problem with me. And I was like, oh yeah tell me again. Like I was here for it because, which is not victim blaming, but it's owning my part of it. My taking responsibility for my, my part of it, of staying Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. because I believed and like high patriarchy, right. High socialization and conditioning in this Mm -hmm. white cellar colonialist hot mess, right? Like (laughs) I believed it. Hook, line and sinker. Right. And, and so I thought my healing was, was mandatory because of my fucked up, my inherent, I mean, we can go back to Catholicism at any moment, but my mm-hmm. inherent fucked upness, my mom's people are Opus Dei. Want to smoke I on mean, that for like, a minute? Yeah, right. The, the, yeah. Original sin, baby. Oh. You, you're born dirty. Whew. You're born bad. Hand born me that bad. apple. Hand That's me who that you are. apple. You are bad. It's mm-hmm. true. Yep. <laughs> and by realizing that you know, I want to continue to heal, to regulate my nervous system, to not have codependent thought habits, to not live mm-hmm. in perfectionism and people pleasing, and to really own and value, to own my self-worth, to value me for joy, for mm-hmm. pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. To like, I spent a half hour this morning watching the butterflies in my yard. <laughs> like, 
right? And and yes, a half hour is luxury, like own the privilege, girl. But also, I want to do this work, and I bring this work to my clients and to the world because joy is our truest birthright. Mm-hmm. Happiness is our 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 greatest birthright, and then I think the wellness world writ large has really moved away from that. Hmm. Hmm. It strikes me that wellness and and I think everything has just become more extreme, right? Like Mm -hmm. more black and white, this or that, Mm -hmm. not the yes and, you know, the improv nature of it all. And I could picture someone listening to this who doesn't have enough, like, you know, who just is straight up, like does not have enough in their bank account, who could be like, yeah, joy is important. And also getting paid is important. And I think that what your work does so well is finds the intersection of both those things. And that's often what we're missing in wellness and well-being. It's either one or the other, right? It's sort of like prosperity gospel redux, or it's, you know, we're just here to ascend. Right. Nothing really matters. There's n- material possessions are not important. Really, you should be in a renunciate if you want things. That just is a symbol that you are not ascended enough and you need to be more spiritual. So that's a you problem, my friend. And I think that ma- that middle, that nuance of like, well, what if I want to have my needs met and then some, right? right. What if I want to feel safe and secure because I know I have money in my bank account. And I also know that money is not the only thing that's going to bring me joy and pleasure and happiness, but it can bring me some of those things, you know, through the transitive property. How do we like, how do you teach that middle part? Cause you're, you're, you're good at it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Wasn't expecting a compliment at the end of that one. (laughs) I think it really is so, so in thought work, we can make the choice as, as a thought experiment, and you'll see why I'm couching this so carefully and thoughtfully. We can, we can make the choice to see things, any and all things, as neutral mm-hmm. towards the explicit purpose of deciding how we want to think about them. I say mm-hmm. this so carefully because I do not believe that many, many things in this world are neutral. Mm. Right. I don't believe racism's neutral or sexism's right. neutral. As a survivor, I don't think right there I, there's a lot of stuff I don't think is inherently neutral. Right. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we can choose to put pen to paper and say, if I were to, to use the conditional tense, see money as neutral, mm-hmm. how would I be like to think about it? How would I like mm-hmm. to feel about it? And Mm -hmm. from those thoughts, generating those feelings and then the sensations in my body, right? From those sensations, what are Mm -hmm. the actions I could then feel motivated to take to change my relationship and my actual number of zeros in my bank account Mm -hmm. to create a different result in my life? That is so interesting. I'm familiar with thought work and I really like the way that you're explaining it. I've never thought about it this way before, but effectively you're creating a meaning making system for yourself, right? A personalized meaning making system to see and understand the world. And then my brain was like, well, what if it's not true? What if you make up a meaning making system and it's not true? And it's like, well, if you have been told that the only way that like you make money by working and you're going to accrue wealth, but then you do that and you don't get wealthy. Well, guess what? That meaning making system is not true either for you right now. So why not pick another meaning making system and try it and see if it can be true? Exactly. I mean, I think everyone who's bought into an MLM is like, (laughs) right, is here to attest that just because you're told you're going to get rich off this doesn't mean it's going to happen. Yeah. Right. And everyone who spent their entire 20s getting a PhD in English, right, (laughs) also... You had a PhD in English when you said, let's oh. talk of a la Victorian style. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Alas, I do not. I almost got a PhD in Latin American studies and my Latin American <laughs> studies professor at Oberlin talked me off the, the ledge. He was like, you sure, kitten? You sure? You sure about this? God bless you, Steve Volk, for talking me off that. <laughs> Aww. Right. But, but yeah, exactly. You can either live in like presumptively that someone else's meaning making system is the correct one for you or try your hand, 
right? At living in with a different intentionality and recognizing that you can create your own story, mm-hmm. right? Again, mm-hmm. right? If you don't have money for food, right? I'm not mm-hmm. saying that's your story. That's mm-hmm. math, right? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> yeah. very, just continuing to give those caveats because... I'm glad you are because this can, I've can heard get, before, it really gets sticky and yeah. victim blamey and well, that's your perception. That's like, that's your... again, bafangul with that crap, right? <laughs> like if you literally don't know how you're going to keep the elect- electricity on, mm-hmm. like that's, that's not your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's... I wish that there was like a simple step-by-step that I could be like, okay, let's break this down for people, what we talked about. And like, if you're struggling with money and wealth, then here's how you can make more of it. And it's not that, you know, it's it's like a maelstrom of, of many different places that you could start or an atmosphere almost right. of like, okay, do you want to start with the body stuff? Do you want to start with the mind stuff? Do you want to start with like just looking at systemic oppression in the world and like acknowledging that that's a massive MLM, you know, like that we've all bought in, like that we've, you know, isn't like capitalism just an MLM? Seriously. Yeah. Monthly subscription fees and everything. Yeah. Yeah, We're we're all just like, this is totally working. Just the more people that we get into it, the more it will work. Trust me. Massive pyramid scheme. Yep. It will even itself. No, it won't. No. Wait, I thought it was supposed to trickle down. I'm so confused. Where Wait, am I in the pyramid? How long is what? the trickle? I just got to get more people on my upline, mm, you know? That's it. That's it. Yeah, it's all on me, really. Yeah. Right, right. It's my fault. It's totally my fault. my fault. God, don't have that winner's mindset. <laughs> right? But also looking at the flip of that, like what is your mindset around money? And mm-hmm. so under going back to, to the nervous system and going back to our neurology and how brains work, you know, we know from years now of studies of neuroplasticity that a belief is simply a thought you've thought over and over and over until a neural groove is created in your mind that says, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Just like this is how it is. This is the mm-hmm. fact of it. Right? Mm. Like, let's go back to weight, right? I'm Argentine. If anyone knows from Argentines, not to brag, but we have the largest number population with eating disorders on the planet. Oh my God. What's up, Argentina? I mean, Brazil, we're like neck and neck. Who knows who's winning at any given moment? Mm. And plastic surgery is. Brazil's winning. (laughs) But yeah, we're like. Those BBLs. Let me tell you what, right? So I, you know, there was a cassette tape in my mind that said, Maria Victoria, you are fat and that is a problem. Mm. My whole life. And it didn't matter if I was wearing a 16 or a two, Mm -hmm. both indicative of problems because that's, you Mm. know what I mean? Like in either direction was not approaching my body with Mm self-love. And... I would still be thinking that I would still be looking in the mirror with self-hate had I not paused to get intentional about those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Right. And so too, it behooves us to pause and look at what, what's my neural groove around money, Mm -hmm. right? What's the groove in my body? What's the tension pattern do when I, you know, because then when we get to brass tacks, women don't ask for raises as much as human socialized Mm -hmm. as men. Right. Right. You know, a friend was telling me the other day that she was calling new therapists to try to make an appointment. And the the dude she spoke to was like, my rate's 175 an hour. And the women Mm -hmm. were like, okay, well, so uh, wait, did you want to use insurance? Because I actually don't take insurance. But, you know, so we could, I could work with you and we could like make a sliding scale or we could like, and my friend just like grossed $4 million for 2021 in her business. It's October. Mm Mm-hmm. And this therapist is like, well, but I could do a sliding scale. Where would you want me to meet you? My rate is like usually 150, but I could go down to like 65 or maybe set $4. Maybe you pay me. Do you, I could uh, mini stickers wow. bar, right? Wow. And this was uh, therapist after therapist after therapist, right? Mm-hmm. And not, I have no interest in throwing therapists under the bus. This was just an example right. from God the other day. But oh yeah, my everyone, God. Everyone's got money stuff and and particular people who are socialized as women right in society yeah so what yeah. are the take a look like what are the actual thoughts that are are keeping you from from getting the the money that you need mm-hmm. to make it possible for you to live to live your life and to live your life with comfort right, right. 
think that's the other thing, particularly in like lefty and political circles. It's like there's this money is cast as evil and yes. money having money is cast as evil, but money is, is, is an energetic exchange. It's a marker that we created as humans to, as a stand-in for, mm-hmm. for sweat, for labor, for intellectual labor, for, right. For, for work, right. Mm-hmm. Money is not inherently evil, mm-hmm. but money has been used for evil to propagate evil and has been used in evil ways under colonialism right with mm-hmm. colonialist intentions and colonialist energy but it's it's not but we assume money like having money is a problem mm-hmm. but when you look statistically at what human socializes women do when we have money particularly this is my favorite statistic right particularly yeah. women of color like when i make more money in my business i pay my people better i give mm-hmm. them bonuses and my staff is all women people of color queer and trans people, like that is important to me. And they, they get more money and then their people get more money and their people get more money. And my family back home in Argentina gets more money. Mm -hmm. Right. And I donate more and donate more of my time and my money. And it's not, it's not, I'm not like I'm out here the saint, but I'm saying this is statistically what happens. Yep. Right. When money is in our hands, Rachel Rogers talks, like her book, We Shall All Be Millionaires is phenomenal. Such a great book. So She's good. awesome. She's so great. Yeah. 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 Right. And so if you want to dive deeper into it, she does such a beautiful job of, of laying it out and like how in this country it's been very systematized to keep money out of the hands of women Black folks, other people of color, right? That's not even, you know, Indigenous First Nations people, right? Yeah. Whew. So we do good when we have when we have money. When we do well, we do good. It's true. And I think earlier in our conversation, you said, you know, investigate why you think, how is that serving you? Is yep. that is that thought serving you? Yep. And I think for you know, the reason we have a thought process is because it did serve us, right? Absolutely. Like, because it got us to where we are. I think about one of the first breakthroughs that I had with money was, well, if I have money, then none of my friends will want to hang out with me because they don't have money. Right. And I won't be able to relate to them. And I'm already so weird that like, I need everything in my corner to help me be more relatable to other people, to make me more likable to other people. And if I have this other differentiating factor, then why would anyone ever want to hang out with me? I'll never have any friends if I have money. And it was such a sort of like when I looked at it on paper, I was like, oh, that's kind of nuts. You know, that doesn't really, that's not, that's like a nonlinear, not logical way of thinking. But it really did serve me because when I think about 18 to 24, you know, I spent every single free moment of time drinking a $3 PBR and shot of, you know, tequila Mm -hmm. at my shitty Brooklyn bar that I lived at, you know, like that I lived above. And that was how I made my friends. Right. Totally. Totally. And that's, and that's not just a thought that helped you. It is mammalian. We are pack animals and we forget that like, we it is important physiologically for us to be liked because you yeah. know we are small animals <laughs> right you and i are small animals yeah i'm so, only five foot two well, i mean not to brag <laughs> but i'm five three and three quarters so i'm actually the <clears throat> tall one in a conversation for the first time in a long time we can talk about that for a while more but um, <laughs> Right. You deserve it. Kudos. Kudos. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I uh, did a really good job uh, growing based on my genetics. Thanks. Thanks, phenotype. But, <laughs> but like, seriously, when the marauders come and the lions come, you and I need to crawl on a big guy's back and, and say, run, Viking mm-hmm. man, run. Yeah. We do. So, wanting to be liked is not a problem until you want others to like you more than you want you to like you. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's always the differentiating line for me is Mm -hmm. like, it's okay to please other people, but are you pleasing Mm -hmm. you? Right. Are you doing things that you don't want to do chronically? Right. To the point where you're putting yourself out and not living your life for you because you want Mm -hmm. that validation. Mm Mm-hmm. But again, to your point, like it makes sense if we think 
having success in the financial realm, however we define that, will mean we're not punk enough for our friends. We're not like liberal and lefty, radical and lefty. We're not like politically down enough because now we make money. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a really big barrier, right? And And often the people who uphold those belief systems and societally in our circles are people who are our peers who are equally oppressed by like systemic oppression. I got called out more. I get, I don't want to, how can I say this in an appropriate way? Called it? No, not really called in. I get sort of like side eye, sort of rude emails in my inbox from women asking where, who do you think you are? (laughs) than I do who are talking about building community, you know, who are talking about like helping up, uplifting and helping each other mm-hmm. way more than anyone else. Yeah. In fact, I think that's the only population that I, that I hear from really around like, who do you think you are? That's so interesting. I, I'm sorry that that happens. That's I, unfortunate. It's okay. It kind of sucks, but it's also, I think it's important to say because because I don't think that should be the thing that that would have held me back yeah, like three sure. years ago. Yeah. Something like that would have made me say, I, I just got to stop. Like the, right. I can't, I'm not doing this right. right. Like it's not worth it. I should, I shouldn't do it. And I think it's important to like, let people know that you're still going to have detractors even when you're doing good in the world. I think we gave away over a hundred thousand dollars in scholarships this year at holisticism. And yet still, I got an email like last week about someone who had a problem with, the way that we make money. So, you know, I think that just means that you're, you're out there, right? Like you're out putting yourself out there. And if you're not getting the haters, (laughs) you're not, you're not out in the world. I feel like that's what Rachel Rogers would say. Maybe, maybe, but it it does. I, I bring it up only because we can, can, can kind of create our own prisons and create prisons for each other. And I hope that, I mean, so much of work, your work, it seems, is like giving ourselves compassion and permission. And when we are able to be compassionate with ourselves, we can be compassionate with other people. Yep. And if I, I notice in myself when I feel the most sort of rigid and uptight and I have the least amount of patience for people around me, it's because I'm not giving myself patience yep. and I have to like go back and be kind to myself. Yeah, yeah. I'm a hundred percent with you. Yep. The way we, what comes out of us towards others is that such that powerful mirror, right? Of what's going on inside. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, my heart is just like, I I also deeply believe in, in scholarships. And the more I charge for my programs, the more scholarships I can give. And I also have a big QT BIPOC scholarship fund. And, and I think, you know, the fact that both of us are so dedicated to that is just evidence of, again, what happens when we make the money. Exactly. Exactly. And when you also make money, in a generative and regenerative way, as opposed to an extractive way. That is sometimes slower and harder to do. It also means looking at yourself and what your team needs and saying, all right, what do we need to be well and to survive and to make sure that we're not burning ourselves out? Because I think that that's a trap that people fall into as well of, oh, I have to give, as soon as I start making money, I have to give 90% of what I make back to the world around me immediately. Yeah. That, that instant gratification is cool. Love it personally, love Netflix, but there's something about working slower and long, like, you know, like a crock pot, let it brew, you know? Right. And I think it's burnout prevention too. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if we, if we're giving away more than we are using to support ourselves, whether it's time, money, love, care, domestic labor, emotional labor, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, we are eventually not going to have enough to fill our own cup, right? Exactly. So yes, always to giving from our overflow, but make sure you've, you've filled your own metaphorical cup of whatever we're talking about, right? Whichever of these realms, mm-hmm. these realms it's- of abundance, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that extractive sort of like take all the nectar and juice out of something and leave it as a sort of husk of what it was, this dead husk of what it was is so reminiscent and just like perpetuates the problematic aspects of capitalism as opposed to building new systems that are generative and mutually supportive for everyone. Well, it's colonialism. It's pipeline three or a solar farm, you know, like it's just that (laughs) it's tar sands. 
mm-hmm. or a wind farm. Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's not that hard to see how one turns out versus the other, right? Because yeah. it's right in front of us. I could talk to you for 17 days. 17 million days. All, all this, things. Everything. Like, but I have to be appropriate and not take up too much of your time. But this was so wonderful. And Victoria, where can people find you and down binge your entire podcast and like just insta stock you but in a good way but in a good way thank you yeah. thanks for thanks for that caveat <laughs> um, so my podcast is called feminist wellness it's for humans of all of the many 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 genders and it's free wherever you get your podcasts each and every week you can find me on the instagram at victoria albina wellness i give good gram and <laughs> my website is victoriaalbina.com and right at the top you can get a set of free meditations and nervous system regulating exercises for free just uh, hey. It's so fun. It's really nice. There's an inner child one. There's a grounding one. They're really nice. Yeah. And they're free. I love that. Cool. Oh, you're so generous. Trying to be of service. (laughs) Oh, this was so wonderful. Thank you for making the time. Thank you. I love your brain. I think you're so cool. And I'm so glad that you exist. Likewise. Very, very much. Thank you. All right. And that's our episode. I hope that you loved Victoria as much as I did. We're definitely going to have to have her back because she's what a baddie. What a true wellness baddie. God love her. Make sure that you follow. We're going to put all the links below so you can go check out Victoria's work and we will see you on the podcast soon. See you on the internet. Bye. (music) 